Got a little bit of a turkey hangover this morning. Um, turkey, not wild turkey. I just say, you gotta be, you gotta be straight with this group. Um, but how many of you had a really great Thanksgiving? You got some food in you. Anybody do your Black Friday shopping? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. That was crazy. Why would you do that? Anyway, um, Amazon.com, right? Isn't that? Oh my God! It's the most tempting. Anyway, on track. So one of the things about Christmas is. Um, the debate is over now. You can have your tree up. You can listen to your Christmas music, all that stuff. But one of the things about Christmas is the phrases that we use when we talk to each other. Like, for example, we'll say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, which, by the way, let me just kind of stop. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. If they just smile and say it back. Don't be the angry Christian that goes, you're taking the Christ out of Christmas. No, they're not because they can't. Shut up. That's why you have no friends. Just be nice to people that are nice to you. Can somebody say amen right there, please? Thank you very much. Anyway. That wasn't even a sermon. It, it, the, the thing, though, that, that kind of gets to me every once in a while about this season is when we say this phrase right here, peace on earth, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Now, now we get this. It's like 2,000 years old. We get it from the angels that were talking to the shepherds um, when they were announcing the birth of Jesus. And they said, when, when Jesus comes, he'll bring peace on earth. Now, I could get you to describe the earth. I could get you to describe the world that we live in. And, and peace would probably not be in the top maybe 10 to 15 uh, words that you would use to describe the world. Because, I mean, have you watched the news? There's not peace. Like this group of people hates this group of people and, and this person hates this person and this nation is mad at this nation and there's a riot here and there's a protest here and there's a terrorist attack here and there's a, a school shooting here and it just, I, I don't know about you, but it seems like we missed the whole peace on earth thing. And so that kind of had me scratching my head for a while because I'm like, well, how did they, I mean, the angel said peace on earth, but there is no peace on earth. And then I finally realized, and this is true for me and it's true for you. And if you don't get anything I say today, I want you to walk away with this. There will never be peace on earth until there is first peace in me. That, that, that we can't wish for the world to be peaceful while we're at war in our hearts and our souls and in our minds. That that one of, the, one of the most disruptive things in a family or in a gathering is there one person there that has no peace and they're praying for peace, but then they're not a person that, that's at peace with themselves. And so at the end of the day, when I was reading this phrase, peace on earth, I'm like, God, how can we have peace on earth? Because all of us, all of us have fallen into the category of thinking that peace can be found um, peace can be found, A, or if you take a note, you want to write this down, somewhere else. Like, have you ever been in a place and you're like, I hate this place. If I could just get out of town. Moms, if I could just get five minutes. I, I, just, I just want five minutes. If, like, if you're on Clemson Boulevard during, during this time of year, like, you definitely, first of all, you've cussed, and if you didn't say it, you thought it, so don't judge me. And number two, you're like, I need to be somewhere else. I remember... Um, years ago, I was like, God, I need a vacation. I need to just get out of town. I went somewhere and it was nice and I was sitting on the beach and you're relaxing. I come back from the vacation. I'm going through my luggage and somebody had gone through my luggage and stolen my favorite watch. All of a sudden, my piece was gone. I wanted to go to the airport and get a piece of somebody that, that stole my watch. 
And, and so this can happen. It's like you can go on a trip and there's peace until your flight's delayed and then there's no peace or there's peace until they lose your reservation or there's peace until something happens. Like we, we think peace is somewhere else. We get there and it might be there temporarily, but it's not there forever. And so then we think, well, peace is maybe with someone else. Like you just spent time with some of you in this room, you love your family. Others of you, the only reason you spent time with them is because you're blood-related. If it wasn't for that, you would never hang out with those people. You're like, these people are crazy. And this happens like if you're hanging out with a group of friends, you're like, this, this group is crazy, or you're dating somebody and they're crazy, or you're with somebody and they're crazy, and you're like, I just need to be with someone else. And if I could be with someone else, I would be happy. But after 10 years and five relationships and three groups of friends, you realize that the common denominator and crazy is you. So maybe it's not someone else. Maybe it's, maybe it's the peace that's not inside of us. And then, and then we think, well, if I could have something else, I could have peace. It's like when the iPhone 11 came out. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. Nothing was wrong with your iPhone 10. Did it work? But then you saw that commercial. I call it iPhone porn. You saw iPhone porn, right? And, it, and you're like, oh, it's got three cameras. Okay, stop. Why, why do you need more than one? Oh, it's got three cameras. And so, and so you went and, and, because, and you thought it would bring you peace. And then, and then it wouldn't connect to Wi-Fi. And you lost your peace, didn't you? Like for me, I'm looking at, I don't, have y'all seen the 2020 Corvettes that are coming out? Oh, my God. Like I could have peace if I had one of those. But it wouldn't last long. Uh, I would get my insurance bill, and and then if I drive if I if I drive one, I'm gonna drive it like I stole it, and and um, the police get really upset when you do that. So so there goes my peace, right? So so we think peace can be found somewhere else and someone else and something else, but none of that is true, and all of us know that none of this is true because of personal experience. Like this is not brand new information. So what I'm about to do is I'm about to share with you a statement that's kind of true. I'm not going to set you up. I'm not going to ask you how many believe this is true. It's kind of true. In fact, in a lot of churches, this statement would get an amen, a hallelujah, a praise the Lord, or something in that category. But it's kind of true. Are you ready for it? Here we go. Peace is found in the presence of God and nothing else. Yeah, y'all are giving me the same look all the other services gave me. Y'all are like, what's wrong with that statement? What's wrong with that statement? There's nothing wrong with that statement. Peace is found. Yeah, yeah, peace in the presence of God, nothing else. But did you know that you can be in the presence of God and not have peace? Some people are like, well, I just don't think that's true. Well, think about the number of people that walked around with Jesus and missed it. The presence of God can show up in a service and one person can stand in that service and weep because God is moving, and the next person, the person next to them is checking Instagram. One got it, one didn't. Have you ever seen that? Hypothetically, that happens at other churches. I know it's never happened here, but hypothetically, right? Like, like the peace of God, the peace is found in the presence of God. I'll agree with that. And I'll agree with nothing else can bring us peace like the presence of God. 
But when we walk in partially surrendered, we will miss his peace. And when we miss his peace and we miss his presence, we'll walk out at conflict within ourselves. That, let, me, let, me, let me explain it this way. Have you ever thought if God showed up physically, like a physical manifestation, like God or an angel, I would settle for an angel, angel or God, doesn't matter, and audibly spoke to me, like literally spoke out loud to me and said, this is what I want you to do. If God ever did that, I would do it. Have you ever thought that, yes or no? Yes, but you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because people in the Bible didn't. God told Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach against it. And what did Jonah say? Peace out. I'm gone. It was the audible voice of God. Now, the the where let me let me kind of set this up for a second and I'll show you why. Because there's people, I know you're arguing with me in your mind, because I I used to do that too. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. We push back on God way more. And, and listen, it, listen, it, it's okay. Because some of the greatest men and women in the scriptures push back on God. But here's the thing about God. He's patient enough to wait us out. Like he's got infinity. So he's all right. There's a guy in the Bible named Moses. And um, Moses is probably the greatest leader in the Old Testament. Moses is one of the most quoted people in the New Testament. Moses, um, if you're from a church background, you have heard of Moses. Moses had it going on. He was anointed, called all the church words we want to use. Moses was all of those things. But Moses, his, his life started out not so well. The, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, uh, was concerned that the number of Israelites were increasing so much that he issued a decree that all the baby boys that were born were to be killed. And so Moses was born during this time. You talk about a rough season. Moses was born into a rough season where he was supposed to be killed, but um, his mother and father just couldn't do it, which if you're a mom or a father, you could, like, you couldn't even imagine. So they tried to hide him for a while, and they couldn't hide him any longer. And so they put him in a basket and put him on the Nile River and the mom said, I can't even watch. Moms, can you imagine this? You're just watching your baby float away and, and told the sister whose name was Miriam, you watch and just tell me what happens. Well, just coincidentally, as the basket is floating down the river, it happens to get to this place where Pharaoh's daughter is coming down to like take her bath. And when she comes down, she hears a baby crying. Her heart is moved with compassion. She looks in the basket it's Moses, and she's like, not only am I not going to kill this child, I'm going to raise this child. Talk about incredible. And so Moses was literally drawn out of the water. And I got kind of excited about that when I was reading because I was like, oh, my God, that's my story too. I got drawn out. I was on my way to destruction, and God, for some reason, drew me out. And there's some people here today that God drew you out or God is drawing you out. God is drawing you out of depression. God is drawing you out of anxiety. God is drawing you out of loneliness. God is drawing you out of frustration. God is drawing you out. And I wish there were like 12 people that were semi-excited about the fact that God's drawing them out. I mean, come on, y'all. We got excited yesterday about a bunch of teenage boys running around in spandex playing a football game that won't matter in 50 years. God drew me out. If it wouldn't have been for God's grace and God's mercy, we wouldn't be here. Somebody needs to be happy about the fact that God drew you out. It's okay. 
It's okay to clap in church. It's okay. It's okay. So Moses is raised in the palace, and then when he's 40 years old, he walks out and says, I'm going to set the Israelites free. And he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And, he, and the Bible says he looked this way and he looked that way. He didn't see anybody. So he killed the Egyptian. I was talking to somebody about this one time. And he's like, killed him dead. I was like, is there any other way to kill somebody? But, you know, some people got to be dramatic. So anyway, he killed him and then buried him in the sand and kind of kept going. That's cold. That's cold. Next day he goes out and somebody calls him on it. And so Moses freaks out and runs. And which is what we do. When we feel like we've disappointed God and we feel like we disappointed others, we run. We just run. It's, it's a defense mechanism. And he goes to the backside of the desert and he's there, the Bible says, for 40 years. Just, just a quick question. Do you think he felt forgotten by God? Yes or no? Yeah, because there's some people here today you feel forgotten by God. Just like Moses. Backside of the desert. Well, he's walking around one day, and the Bible says he sees a bush on fire. If you're from a church background, this is the burning bush. And the Bible says, and the angel of the Lord spoke to Moses from within the bush. This is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. So Jesus is speaking from inside the bush. So we have the physical presence of God, and then he says to Moses audibly, Moses isn't reading this, he's not like, getting a sign, he's not, he's just, he's hearing God tell him, I want you to go to the land of Egypt and lead the Israelites out of slavery and into freedom, into the promised land, and there's going to be, it's going to land flowing with milk and honey, and it's going to be awesome. So Moses is in the presence of God, he physically sees Jesus, he audibly hears his voice, and what happens? But Moses protested. See, this is why I say that none of us, if, if God showed up and said, it and said it audibly and appeared physically, Moses, Moses protested. By the way, protest does not equal peace. Have you ever, have you ever seen a peaceful protest? usually turns out violent, right? People are fighting. I'm like, you're protesting peace and you're fighting. This makes no sense. But Moses is protesting to God. God audibly said, this is what I want you to do. But Moses protested, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel <laughs> out of Egypt? See, Moses knew something about himself that he didn't think that God knew. Moses knew he was jacked up. Moses knew that he had committed murder, and he thought, what I did in my past disqualifies me from having an amazing future. That's what he thought. He knew he was messed up. Now, if we were honest, if we were honest, and in fact, let me just be honest, I don't have a single problem looking at anybody in this room in the eyes. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad your past has been. I don't have a problem believing that God loves you, has an incredible plan for your life, wants to do great things through you, and is going to use you to do things that are immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. I don't have a problem believing that about you. I have a problem believing that about me. You know why I have a problem believing that about me? Because I know me better than you know me. Right? 
I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, I Googled your name and I read an article. It was bad. I said, stop. It's worse than you read. I promise. It's, it's absolutely horrible. What they said is true. They don't, but they don't know the bad stuff. Like I'm a messed up person. And there's some people in this room that maybe you're, or you're watching online and you're thinking I'm too messed up for God to use me. But did you know, as we read through the scripture, God only uses cracked pots. God only uses messed up people because he gets the most glory. Think about it. Peter couldn't stop cussing. Thomas couldn't stop doubting. Uh, David couldn't stay in his own bed. And God used all three of them to accomplish immeasurably more than all they could ask or imagine. And if God did it with them, he can do it with any of us in this room. Your past does not define your future if you are in Christ. And somebody here today is going to have to step out of your history if you're going to step into your destiny. So, So Moses protested. And said, who am I? And God said, well, you just tell him I sent you. And God was like, well, do you have a name? And God said, I am. Moses said, I am. God said, that's it. Just tell him I am. I'm supposed to show up. Tell him I was walking through the desert. And, and a plant started talking to me. And they're going to ask me, was I smoking the plant? And I'm, I'm, it's going to be whole, It's going to be really weird. God says, I'm going to take care of it. You tell him I am since you. You tell him I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to do all these things. You would think Moses would be like, all right, all right, all right, all right. I got it. But the Bible says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, but Mo- Moses protested again. He's in the presence of God, audibly hearing him, visually seeing him and going, no. Now, if we protest, there's no peace. But Moses protested again, and look what he did this time. But Moses protested again. What if they, everybody say they on three. One, two, three. They, they, yeah. See, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if, oh, here it is again. They say the Lord never appeared to you. Moses is concerned about what they might say. Have you ever heard what they say? I've got a rule. I've had this rule in ministry for years. And when somebody comes up to me and says, I've been, I've been talking to some people and they are real upset, I stop, stop, stop right now, stop. Collaborate and listen. Pastor P is back with a brand new, and anyway, I don't say that. It just, it, it just it's, Adderall's wearing off. I say, stop. Who are they? And this is what happens. Well, I just don't feel comfortable sharing their names. I'm like, well, then I don't feel comfortable listening to anything you have to say. Because they is you and your mama. That's who it is. That's who they are. And I I don't care. But there are people, especially in our culture today, with the social media society taking over, and I'm not anti-social media, but we're so obsessed with what they say, and we don't even know who they are. In fact, I had a friend tell me this years ago, and it's kind of kept me grounded um, during, during my toughest season, is the quickest way to lose sight of what God says about me is to hyper-focus on what they say about me. Who cares what they say about you? They haven't gone through the hell that you've gone through. They haven't fought the battles you fought. They haven't cried the tears that you cried. In fact, when you went through your toughest time, they walked away from you, and they pointed fingers at you, and they judged you, and now they want to step back into your life and tell you what to do? 
Who cares what they say? Because if we get hyper-focused on them, we can't listen to him. They. Everybody's got an opinion. You just don't have to listen to it. I had a lady get mad at me a few weeks ago. I wore a hat. I preached with a hat on. She said, you shouldn't preach your hat on. I'm like, I'm 48 freaking years old. I'll wear a onesie if I want. And, and relax, because I don't want to. But, <laughs> but you trying to dress me, and I'm 48 years old? Are you kidding me right now, woman? Block like that. That's the one of the greatest things in the world. There are people in this room right now today that you're so consumed with what they say, you're going to miss out on God's best for your life. You're going to miss out. And that's not, that's not a great place to... Moses, Moses almost missed out. So God said, all right, all right, all right, I'm going to give you a couple signs. I'm going to give you a couple Take your staff and throw it down. He did it, and it became a snake. And God said, now pick it up. Now, that, that right there, I'm out. I'm like, you can send me to hell. I don't care. I'm, just, I'm not, but he picked up the snake and did the leprosy. He stuck his hand, his cloak had leprosy, stuck it back, pulled it back out, didn't have leprosy, and, and it was like, God said, there's your signs. Go, go, go. And then the first, two, the first two times Moses protested, remember that? This time he doesn't protest. Scripture says, but Moses pleaded. He's gone from no to please God no. Have you ever been there? Yeah, yeah, we all have. Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. This is the guy that wrote the first five books of the Bible, by the way. Just... Not, but not good with words, just whatever. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. He's like, I'm just, I'm just not a good speaker. I don't have the ability. Now, there are people in this room, and you're watching online, you've got phenomenal abilities. I was having a conversation with a friend recently. I'm just asking them, I said, what do you do? And they said, I build furniture. It's like, how do you even... How do you do that? Like, how do you, I can't, because listen, I can't build stuff. I can't. Like, if it was up to me to, like, we, somebody built this for us. Don't you think this is cool, by the way? Somebody built this. If you said, you've got to build that to make money, I would starve to death. I don't know how to do this. If you ever see me at Home Depot or Lowe's, I'm lost um, or drugged, and I don't know where I'm at or why I'm there, please find me some help, okay? Call the cops, call 911. I can't, I can't build things. I don't have that ability, but some of you do. Some of you have the um, ability to, uh, uh, like, fix cars. My dad, my, <laughs> my dad could fix anything. Like, a car would break down. He could take the engine apart, put it back together. Like, he could. He could fix transmissions. All that. I can't change the, I, listen, I don't even know where the spark plugs are. I know, I think I've got some in my truck, but I'm not sure where they are. Some of you have the ability to do math and engineering, and you can mix letters and numbers, which confuses the heck out of me, but you can do that, and it all works out. You have abilities, but then when it comes to God wanting to use you, you say, well, I, I just, I, okay, I can't preach, or I can't teach, or I can't sing, or I can't play an instrument, so I must not 
have any abilities. But here's the thing that I want you to walk away with today, and we're going to spend a lot of time on this next week. God is not looking for our ability, but rather our availability. Because if we will make ourselves available, God will make us able. This is the God, by the way, who brought Jesus from death to life. So if he can work that kind of miracle in Jesus and the same Holy Spirit lives inside of us, think about what he could do if you would just say, yes, Lord, and make yourself available. God can and wants to use you in ways that you could never imagine. It's not, are you able? It's, are you available? Because if you're available, he will make you able. Well, he's still pushing back. Because God says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, gave, you, who gave you a mouth? Who, who gave you the ability to speak? Was it not me? I mean, I can... I got your back, Moses. And Moses finally says, Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else, not someone, anyone. God, send anyone else. Have you ever been there? God, God says, I want you to do this. Yeah. You should talk to my cousin. He, he's, he's awesome with that stuff. God, send anyone. Anyone, God, if you'll just send anybody else and not me, that would be the greatest day of my life. But he would have missed out. He would have missed out on the miracles. He would have missed out on an interstate highway getting put through. He would have, he would have missed out. See, Moses was in the presence of God, but he didn't find the peace until he was willing to put down his own agenda and surrender to his. Now, here's the reason I know this so well. This is the reason I can preach this with so much passion and conviction. Um, this is my story. This is my story because um, it's no secret uh, about what happened to me a few years ago. I'm, I fired and lost my job, right? Not, it just happened. And uh, I had a friend ask me, Almost immediately afterwards, <laughs> you think you'll start another church? I'm like, heck no. I, I, I actually said something really stronger than that, but I'm trying to be a little bit nicer. I said, heck no. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't have mental health issues or drinking problems until I started working with Christians. And then, I mean, Christians will make you drink. I mean, seriously. <laughs> now I know why Jesus' first miracle was water into wine, because he was hanging out with a bunch of, anyway, Sorry. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. So I think, no, I'm not, I, I'm, not, I'm not a church guy. I think I've tried that, and it just didn't work. And I'm obviously, I, you know, when you fail and it, like, makes the national media, that's pretty big. So, But if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. So um, I tried a couple other things, like jobs and stuff. And God, like, I wasn't telling anybody about it because I didn't want them to know because if you don't tell somebody, then you don't have to, like, you're not held accountable for it. But God began dealing with my heart going, you need to start another church. And I was like, I see, here's um, what happened was you got the wrong guy, God. I've tried that. And I messed up. And it won't work. And God wouldn't let it go. So I go to the UK to do an event for some friends of mine over there. And there's a guy over there, and his name's Chris. And He's a friend, and uh, he was like, "Have you?" And he's got that that prophecy thing going on. Have you ever met somebody that can just look at you and read you? I try not to hang out with those people a lot. He looked at me and he said, 
you're thinking about starting another church, aren't you? I was like, I, um, I, you may, mm-hmm. He's like, here's what I, here's what I think you need to do. I think you need to consider launching a digital campus only. He said, think about that. It's just a digital campus and da 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 da. I was like, yeah. And in my mind, I'm thinking that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But you just kind of nod. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's 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 awesome. Later to find out, he graduated like second in his class in the London School of Economics. So this dude's a smart dude. Um, but I was, I came back home. And here's what's funny. Has somebody ever like planted that seed in your mind and then it just wouldn't leave? Like God just wouldn't leave you alone? And you're like, I am, I am, God, I am trying to focus here. And God, and, and God just kept saying, you know, that digital campus thing, that church, and you're going you're gonna to do that. And I was like, no, 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 no. So back in, in later that year in November, I go back over and I'd, I'd almost talk myself out of it. Guess who picked me up at the airport? Mr. Digital Campus himself, and I had a two-hour car ride with him. And he's like, you know, I really think, and I'm like, okay, I don't know. Um, and and it, it was bizarre. I was finally like, all right, all right, all right, fine, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. So I came back in the December of that year, 2017. We launched Second Chance Online on Facebook. It was in December 2017, um, two years ago. That just hit me, two years ago. And, uh, and it was awesome. We had a lot of people. I blocked 100 people that day. I blocked 100 people. I did. I was like, <laughs> block, block. It was, it was so freeing. It felt so good. And, um, and I just said, we're going to do it digitally. And that's how I thought that Second Chance Church was going to play out. And then somebody contacted me about this facility. And they said, do you want to move in there? And I was like, nope, nope, not interested. Not interested at all. Love the digital thing. But then it's that thing that God wouldn't leave me alone. And so some of you remember this because you were watching Second Chance Online. We were, you would have church in your living room. I told y'all, I said, if we can raise $250,000 and cash flow this whole thing, because I don't want to borrow any money, if we can raise $250,000, we'll move in. Now, I'm just, this is honest confession time. I didn't think we'd do it. A digital campus raising a quarter of a million dollars in four months? Uh-uh. Ain't going to happen. I was like, Lord, give me a sign. You ever prayed that? Lord, DMX prayed that and went to jail, but it's fine. He's, he's out. He's out now. <laughs> I didn't think we'd raise the money, and we did. Uh, and some of y'all still give to the 250K campaign. You're still giving to it. We raised the money. You kept, but I, I, listen, I ain't judge. You just keep giving to it. We'll find something to do with it. But anyway, it says... We did it, and, and we moved in. And I remember the night before we launched this campus, the night before we opened this building on Saturday night, I remember sitting in my apartment, and I remember crying and going, God, we're going to do this, but nobody's coming. That's, that's literally how I felt. And then showing up, showing up the next day and seeing the line to get in the building, just completely overwhelmed. I just couldn't, but I'm going to tell y'all, I for the first five or six months, I still wasn't sure. I was like, I don't know, God, I don't know, I don't know. But God has done something in me in the past month, past four to six weeks, and has lit a fire in me unlike I've never experienced before. And it's for me, it's because I stopped protesting and pleading and finally just said, yes, Lord, whatever you want. And I'm telling you, I've got so much peace about us stepping into our future and what's next for us. It's unbelievable. In fact, I've got to the place where Moses got to because Moses went through incredible 
he like he wrestled with God, and then he experienced the blessings of God. Then he got to this place where he said, in Exodus 33, one day Moses said to the Lord, Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you'll send with me. You haven't told me who's in. And this has been my prayer for about the past month. God, who's in? Like, who's, who's in this? Who's in as far as second chance and us expanding as a ministry to continue to reach as many people as possible? Now, let me tell you the reason I say this. And this isn't necessarily the people in the room because you're in the room. I'm saying this to some people watching online who told me, you told me, I can't wait till you start second chance church. I'll be there every Sunday. Where are you? Where are you? And don't, don't tell me, you know, Perry, going to church for me is just hard because I've been wounded. Please tell me your wounded church story. If I can drag my butt out of bed, and by the way, there's some people in this room, they've been wounded too, but they're still here. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. No, but the sheets held you in bed this morning. I mean, it's... Oh, I don't care. I don't care. I'm on like I don't, I'm like when I tell you I'm in this thing, like I'm in this thing. I just want to know who's because I'm sick and tired, especially living in Anderson, South Carolina. I got people walking up to me in restaurants and on the streets, and they'll they'll do this. Hey, come here. I watched Sunday. It was really great. All right, are we dealing drugs right now, or are we having a conversation? Because these same people, when they're with other people, they won't talk to me for fear of being seen with me. Listen, I'm not looking for friends that are scared to be seen with me in public. I'm looking for people that want to see a move of God happen in this community. So, so feel free not to encourage me if you're not with me. I'm looking for people that, God, I just want to create an environment where people can show up and experience the presence of God. All kinds of people. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you're currently struggling with. When you walk in this place, I want you to walk in this place not feeling judged, not feeling condemned, knowing that God has a plan for your life. He has a hope for your life. He has a future for your life. That's the kind of environment. I just want to create an environment where people can experience the presence of God. And the reason I'm asking who's in is it's about to get tougher. We got 17 months left on this lease. And then we got to find a new home. I've located a couple facilities. They're great. They're awesome. And the banks told me when we first started, y'all let us know when y'all ready to make a move. And we'll come. And I let the banks know. And you know what the banks told me? They turned us down. We can't get along. They said, you're too young as a church. And I've actually been told, because of the way that you lost your last church job, there are banks that will not touch you at all. No, I promise. Listen, 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 listen. So about two weeks, that got in my head. It got in my head. But you know what? If it's God's will, it's God's bill. And what the king wants, the king pays for That's why I'm trying to figure out who's in. Because if you're in, we're going to do this thing, and we don't need the banks because we've got a father who's got a cattle 
on a thousand hills. He, we, we got a God who is a way maker and who's a promise keeper and who's a miracle worker and who is a light in the darkness. And the only thing I'm asking for in this whole thing is what Moses told God. He said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on earth? Isn't it funny that Moses, who protested, Moses, who pleaded, now understands that there is peace in the presence of God when we drop our partial surrender and just say, yes, Lord, whatever you want. It's, it's not found in something else. It's not found in someone else. It's not found somewhere else. It's found nothing else. Nothing else brings peace like the presence of God when we're fully surrendered to whatever he's asking us to do. So that's my question for you today. Is what is that thing that you've been wrestling with God with for a while? Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, from personal experience over the past four to six weeks, you're not going to get peace until you just say yes. It, yes, not knowing what the future looks like, not knowing what it holds, not knowing what the next, just yes, Lord, I'm just going to take this next step, and I know you're going to be there with me. His presence is the difference maker. Um, I asked a friend probably about, probably about two months ago, um, I love to know like music and stuff. And I asked this friend, I said, what's your, what's your favorite song right now? And they told me, um, oh, there's a song about the presence of God. And they told me the name of it. And so I downloaded it on my, on my phone and put it on my playlist and went up on my rooftop one night and had a really, really awesome cigar and just kind of listened. By the way, yes, I had a cigar. Yes, I smoked a cigar. Yes, it was awesome. Yes, you didn't smoke. Well, you shouldn't gossip and you shouldn't wear your hair like that. So, so don't even be judging me right now because I smoked too. It was so good. So anyway... I was just having a cigar and I was listening to this song and it it's one of those songs that absolutely wrecked me because it was being about it was about being in the presence of God and just there being nothing else. And I thought, man, what a way for us as a church to end our service on peace on earth where we just sing to God about his presence and how we want nothing else and what this listening to this song has done over the past couple of months is it has literally changed me from pushing back to saying yes and having peace. So I thought there was no more appropriate way than for us to end our service today by singing the song to the Lord. So Father, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus for every single person in this place. There are those, Jesus, that are walking listening and saying yes to you and, and God that is amazing but there are others of us that are wrestling God with having peace maybe it's because of what others are saying maybe it's because we're just uncertain of what the future looks like maybe we don't know exactly what that next step should be but God here's what we know that you are with us, that you will never leave us, that you'll never forsake us. And God, that in your presence, peace is possible. We ask this in your name.